in our, we're in our last message in the series, Devoted Finances. Somebody may need to move over and actually put something there, but um, we're in our last series, Devoted Finances, and uh, it's actually, thank you, Greg, for doing that, for balancing it, that, that just feels better. <laughs> now you look alone. <laughs> now I'm worried that you might be alone. Um, Anyway, this is probably my favorite of all the messages uh, uh, that I preach in the Devoted Finance series, and, um, and I'm going to kind of take you into a story, and I want you to visualize this. So if you're a person who visualizes things, um, hopefully this will really connect with you. How many in here, you're a numbers person? You, you're a numbers. Like if someone comes to you, that's right, if someone comes to you and they say, well, I got this idea. Like if Heather comes to me and got, I got this idea, I want to do this in the house, uh, all I hear is Charlie Brown's teacher until she tells me the number. How much is it going to cost, right? It's always amazing to me because in our staff, um, if you've been around any length of time, uh, I, when, when a new staff person will bring an idea to me and they'll say, oh, I got this idea, I want to do that. And, and I'm like, what is it going to cost? And they're like, oh, I got to go figure that out. And I'm like, you know, really by now, you should know the, one of the first questions I'm going to ask you is, what's the cost? Right? And um, I think maybe they, they bring up the idea because they're not sure I'm going to like it. <laughs> and so why do the work to find the cost out if you're not going to like it? But what I want to talk about is math today. And how many love math? No. Okay. How many, how many in, when it comes to your finances, uh, the math in your finances off, oftentimes feels like subtraction and division. And you'd like it to feel more like addition and multiplication. Right? So, you know, uh, division's horrible. Subtraction's not as bad as it's not. Addition's good, but multiplication's great. Well, I want to show you in the Bible where it talks about multiplication, and even in your finances, when you get in perspective correctly, how you view finances, money in general, how things begin to multiply. It will never multiply if you don't get the perspective of money first. God will never do something that harms you. So when people say, I just need to win the lottery, God would never let you win the lottery. And how many know if God's not letting you win the lottery, you ain't winning the lottery, right? You know why he won't do it? Because he loves you. You know when you were about ready to get the spanking and your parents said, I'm doing this because I love you. It didn't feel like he loved you at that moment, right? Nobody felt like, but now that you're older, you're like, he loved me, so that's why. He did that, right? And, and, and I want us to realize that until we get money in perspective, somebody asked me in the first service this question. They said, what, what do you think about all these spiritual leaders that are falling, Pastor, and, and, and uh, how they're impacting church? And I'm like, well, uh, I'll very simply answer it this way. There will be no gods before him. There will be no gods before him. And if you think congregations don't hold some responsibility in that, you are mistaken. Because congregations are the ones that elevate these people to think they're God. Right? And God said, you're going to worship me and worship me alone. And then they lose their faith because they put their faith in a person. You're to respect and honor leaders. You're not to worship them. You're to worship God. 
right? So I'll leave it at that. If that's where your attention should be at all times. If you don't love, and I tell our staff this, if you don't love Jesus more after a Sunday morning than you did when you came in, we didn't do our job. This is really all about Jesus, right? It's about the man. So I want to talk about this man uh, because they wanted to make him king. And he is, they, they could, they wanted to make him king, but he was already king. He didn't, he didn't need a seat. He was already the king, the king of kings, right? And so he comes in, and, and uh, I'm going to read to you from this famous story in Luke chapter 9. It says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to them, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and, and lounge and get provision. For we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there are more, or there were about 5,000 men. What's interesting, 5,000 men would have equaled a Roman legion. <coughs> and the people of Israel thought Jesus, when they, when they were thinking he was the Messiah, their view of the Messiah wasn't that the Messiah was God. Their view is that the Messiah was going to be the next Moses that he would be the one that would deliver them from the Romans. That was their view. So they wanted to make him king. John chapter 6 says that they were going to make him king by force. And that's when Jesus said, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. And they went, ooh, right? And, and a number of them left. But, but what Jesus knew what was happening, now he's feeding 5,000 people. And, and the reason it even identifies 5,000 men is because already they had, they had the followers of a Roman legion. It wasn't that they were diminishing women and children, but legions, armies were determined by men. Goes on. And, and Matthew 14, 21, it says, for that, that they had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So if you do the math, you're probably about 20,000 people that would have eaten that day. Most theologians think that it was the largest crowd Jesus would have spoken to at that point in time. That he, it would have been the largest crowd they would have seen almost in any setting at that, that time. It goes on in Luke 6, verse 14. It says, For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to the disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke them, gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And the 12 baskets were left over fragments taken up by them. Now, some would say, why is it that there were 12 leftovers? Well, very simply, God is not the God of almost enough. And you got to do your part. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of abundantly more than anything you could ask or imagine. Imagine, right? So in your life, God's plan, if he's going to meet your need, is never to do just barely, just almost there or just there. It's always over the amount that you need. How many are thankful for that, right? There was always more fish in the boat that the boat was sinking. There's always abundantly more. You have to start, as a believer in Christ, you got to start changing the way you think, now, I want to do something, but I'm going to need some help to do this. So I'm going to help some people. To have some people. I'm going to have James and Zach and, and Anthony and uh, Jed come on up here, stand over here. And, uh, and then Dave Bester, come on up over on this side over here. You, you look like Jesus today, so you're going to be Jesus for us <laughs> over there. Yeah, that's right. That's their best Jesus impersonation. Okay. 
So, so these are the disciples. This is Jesus. Um, we're not going to worship you because you're not the real one. But, and you're the 5,000 men and then 20,000 women and children. Okay? Ah! Let us know you're there. Okay. Okay. So in online, yeah, you got it. There's a point where you're going to... So there's online you can find this, but I did a study for small groups called Six Weeks in the Word. And in it, I talked about six different ways to study the Bible. One of those ways is to study it as though you're there. So you envision that you're going. Now, if you want to go to Israel, I'm going October 17th through the 27th, leading a trip to Israel. You'll, you'll see information for our first meeting coming up where you'll be able to see some of these places. I've stood in this valley where they think that they did this, so I can envision this hill. It's a grassy hill on an incline, and it would have been perfect for speaking to 20,000 people because there's no microphones. There were no electricity at that time. Uh, you may not have known that. I know if you're, you think they didn't have cell phones. No, Jesus did not have a cell phone at that time. Okay, so it's all up at 20,000 people. Okay? Now, uh, and I want, what I want you to do is imagine you're the Messiah search committee. You've, you've been part of this committee looking for the Messiah. <coughs> We've been watching this guy. He's been doing incredible things. I mean, he's, he's cast out demons. He's healed the blind man and the deaf man. Uh, he's, the, uh, he's, he's raised from the dead. He's walked on water. The guy is just incredible. He's showing some real promise here. And uh, we're on the search committee. And right now, we're, we're going to have this revival service. You remember the old tent meetings? He, he's, we, I mean, we got all kinds of things going on. We've sent out all the promotional material, uh, uh, you know, on Instagram and TikTok and 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 uh, and uh, all the other all the other stuff that I can't think of right now. Uh, the what? Yeah, Snapchat and Facebook and they've even done a collage of Jesus doing all the stuff he's doing in his beautiful white robe and blue sash. Just envision him. It's just blue, but it's okay. And and he sways. You know, he just sways when he does ministry. He just can you do a little bit of that? That's very good, Dave. That's wonderful. Don't you love that? Okay, so he's a very good swearer. That's why I picked him. So, so, so are you visioning it? Are you there? Okay, and, and, and now you're all there. The environment is electric. I mean, 20,000 people. The worship, go can you imagine what it sounds like with 20,000 people singing? Right? And the worship, Peter's leading worship. It's just incredible. Luke and John, they get up and do a, a song together. You, got, you, even have, you even have like a, 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 one of those video things going on with, with the puppet master. He's, you know, stuff doing it and how the devil, you know. And, and all of it's going on. And now Jesus has come to the platform and he begins to speak. It's been powerful. The presence of God is there. Well, I mean, God is like, like, right, right? And he just begins to speak. And every word that proceedeth from his mouth is like life, right? And it goes on to 10 o'clock, then 11 o'clock, then 12 o'clock, then one. And he's not even saying in conclusion, Right? Then one o'clock, then two o'clock, 
then three o'clock, then four o'clock, and he's still talking. Then five o'clock, and then six o'clock. And, and if you think, I'm, I'm not exaggerating here, it says in the scripture, it was when the day began to wear away, it was starting to get dark, right? And Jesus is still going. Well, this whole time, Peter over here is thinking, man, he's getting antsy, you know? He's just like, uh, you know, I can't believe he's just not mad. And, 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 and James, he's just like, you know what? I, I, I mean, the guy's good, but he's just not this good. I mean, come on, give us a break. Doesn't he know all the rules of life? You know, and 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 and, and in the disciple uh, Tom over here, <laughs> I was gonna say Zach, but there wasn't a Zach in the Bible, right? And and Jed, you're closer to Judas, sorry. But <laughs> but but Jed, Judas, kind of the same thing. And and you know, it's just is crazy. And and Judas over here is like, man, I'm getting hungry. Right? It's like, and, and Peter's like, that's it. That's it. He seems to love the people. Let's tell them they're hungry. We'll do that. Now, this is inferred in the scripture, okay? So, so they, all, they all say, okay, Peter, you go to Jesus and tell them the people are hungry. Okay? So Peter goes, excuse me. Put your arm up. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Sorry, sorry. One minute, please. Just need a word with Jesus. Okay. And he, and he goes, okay, so Peter says, Jesus. And Jesus is a little irritated because I was just getting started, Jesus is thinking. <laughs> All right, Jesus, this has been profound. I have been so enlightened, man. You could go on. I could listen to you for a week. And I mean, it's just, it just feel, you know, I have food that they know not of. But I think they're getting hungry. And, you know, I, I don't need to eat, but Jesus, look at them. That's their hungry face. And, and this has been so good. And, and uh, it's amazing how you preached an entire series in one day. Um, it's been amazing, but there are a couple of rules. One, uh, most people can't retain that much. It's, there's been studies done. The University of Jerusalem studied this a few years ago. And secondly, look at how hungry they are. And you know, Peter was just telling us his brother opened up a new restaurant called Holy Fish It's Good. And, and uh, I, we would really like to, you know, I'm, I know a lot of the people, and we'd really bless that restaurant. So, you know, as your advisors and your friends, we just think it's time to maybe tie it up. And uh, let's come back and preach another day. And it will probably be a whole day, <laughs> as you've proven. And Jesus said, so, so Jesus goes to Peter. So you're saying that I should stop because they're all hungry. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's what, we're all, what we're all saying. We, your advisors, we just, you know, Jesus, we just want to hold you up and support you. And so, yeah, that's what we think. And Jesus is like, okay, go figure out how to feed them. Yeah. And Peter's like, what? Uh, I'm sorry, Jesus, but I didn't hear what you said. Did you just say we should feed him? Oh. Uh, and Jesus goes on to preaching. And, and, and James is sitting there going, uh, Peter, what did he say? And did you tell him? Yeah, I, I, I told him everything. 
mm-hmm, told them that they were hungry. Well, what did he say? Uh, he said, we should feed them. What was that, Peter? He said, we need to figure out how to feed them. Feed them? How are we going to feed them? We don't got anything. They're 20,000 people. How are we going to feed them? There's no way we're going to feed them. What, is, what does he want? We're not Jesus. We're not running for Messiah here. He is the one that's running for Messiah, right? And he said, how are we going to feed them? There's no way. And they're sitting there and they're thinking, there's no way. And, and right at that moment, Judas... Judas is sitting there. <laughs> Judas is sitting there. He goes, I think I smell something. And, and Peter's like, you don't smell something. He just said, no, seriously, you're just hungry, Peter. You're hallucinating. You don't smell. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute. We do, we do smell something. And there's this little boy who just had Long John Silver's bag in his hand. And, the, and, and, and Judas runs down and takes it. Give it to the poor. And, and he opens it, and it just smells so good. Ah, and Judas reaches in. He's about ready to do it. And Peter comes over and throws it back. He says, Peter, don't eat that. Or Judas, don't eat that. He puts it back in the bank. He says, you know what? I got an idea. Let's tell Jesus all we have are five loaves and two fish. Let's tell them that that's all we could find. That's all we have. Like, there's nothing we can do. And then surely he'll let everyone go because all we have is five loaves and two fish. That's all we have. I don't have enough to feed the 20,000. That's all we have. You know, do you know why I'm going over this again and again and again? Have you learned how I, I do this? The, you got to remember this because it's this a very important point. It's all we have. So, so Peter... Or James, you hold on to that. Judas will eat it. <laughs> okay, so he goes over. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Jesus, um, so remember you told us to figure out how to feed all of them. Well, well we've been working about it, we're working on it. And uh, the problem is we can only come up with uh, five loaves and two fish. And I, I actually, a little boy had it and Judas stole it. But you probably already know that he, that's something he would do. And he, and he almost ate it, but we, we took it. And it's kind of like four and maybe three quarters of bread because he got a bite out of it. But anyway, but that's all we got. So Jesus, you know what? We tried. Um, there's not enough for everyone. So how about we just dismiss them and let them go? And, and then we go on and we'll come back. You know, they'll come. They'll come again. They'll, they'll be back. You know, and how about we do that? And Jesus says, so you got... Jesus goes, so you got five fi- or two fish and five loaves. Yeah, Jesus, this is all we have. Two fish, five. I think that'll work. Yeah, go ahead, bring me the two, two fish and five. And, and Peter's like, uh, excuse me? I, I, we only have one of those snack packs. We don't have enough like for, for everyone here. It's just one. No, no, Jesus goes, I think that'll be enough. Have everyone sit in 50s. Okay? So Peter goes back. And, now, I think this is where something, the greatest miracle in, the, in humankind has been missed. Not the feeding of 5,000 or 20,000. It's the fact that the disciples were able to get 20,000 people to sit in 50s. <laughs> you can't get seven people to stand right in a picture. It takes a half hour. To do 50, I mean, think about that. That is pretty incredible to get that many people. So they go and they get all of the people sitting in 50s, okay? 
And then they bring in, they bring in, he reaches in, and, and, and while they're doing it, while they're doing it, Jesus, why don't you hold that? While they're doing it, now I, you're pretending to be Jesus, don't let the temptation get you yet, but so while they're doing that, I think Peter goes, you know what, guys? I bet you that when, when Jesus does this, Elijah fed 100 men with 12 loaves. I bet you Jesus is going to do something that's going to be incredible. So when he prays, don't close your eyes. Keep them open because you, you're going to want to see how he does that where he makes it just expand and just grow into feeding all of these people. And so they get all the people in place, and then Jesus gets it. He raises it up, and he blesses it. Okay? Peter, come here. And, and he blesses it, and they're all waiting. They're like watching <laughs> as he's blessing it. And then he says, amen. And then he gives it to Peter. And I think, envision, Peter, he says, now, go feed the people. And I think Peter's sitting there going, uh, maybe you should pray for it again. <laughs> uh, well, no, Peter, give it back. No, Peter, I've blessed it. And he said, uh, right, you don't want to bless it? He says, no, Peter, I blessed it. Go feed the people. What does Peter do? He goes down, and this, so this is one of vision. He probably went down, and he goes, here's a piece. Take a little piece. <laughs> little. Break off a little piece. Break off a little piece. Little, you little piggy. Little, little, pe- well, you're pregnant, so maybe a little bigger for the, for the little guy in there. Yeah, just a little bit of a little piece, a little piece, just a, a little piece, just a little piece, a little piece, just a little piece. Okay? And, and so he breaks it, and he begins to give it away. And it says that when they were done handing out the bread, there were 12 basketfuls left over. It doesn't tell how, but it multiplied when they were breaking it and giving it away. It didn't multiply in Jesus' hands, and it didn't even multiply necessarily in the giver's hand, but it just multiplied as they were giving it, they ended up with more. And as they were giving it, it ended up with more. This is a kingdom principle. This is a kingdom principle. I had someone say to one of our, our missions, so this, this year, you were number 50. I think I told you in missions giving, you were number 50 in the nation. For, you know, someone's got for missions giving. And we're attracted to give way more. But we're also doing this, this, this capital campaign to eliminate debt. And someone said, you know what? I need to lower my missions pledge in order to make the capital campaign pet pledge. Can I tell you something? You need to hear this message. It didn't make sense how you could feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. But it was a kingdom principle. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. The disciples did. Thank you, guys. Will you give them a hand? (laughs) 
Here's, here's the phenomenon in all of this. Here's the phenomenon. The miracle didn't happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. The miracle did not happen in his hands. The bread is growing in his hand as he's giving it away. So here's the first principle. Number, principle number one. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. You say, well, I've given away and I've not been blessed. Here's the problem. If your finances are not blessed, it won't be multiplied. That's why you tithe. The Bible says you bring the tithe. You'll hear us say, God's tithe, our offerings. God's tithe, our offerings. We don't choose where the tithe goes. God says you bring the tithe into the house. When you do that, the rest is blessed. Once it's blessed, then when you give it away, it begins to multiply. If you were here last week, you heard the story of Steve Noonan, who gave away all of the money in his accounts, and in 12 months, it was all back, and God said to him, I can do more in 12 months than you can do in 12 years. It's pretty incredible. So the first principle is before, before you give it away, you need it blessed. So you, that's how you do it. You, give the tithe, you bring the tithe and you say, okay. And, and you're saying to me, this just seems too like, just too like a formula or something. Try it. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this. Test them. Test them. Then with the rest, uh, then you do the second principle, and here is the second principle. It has been given away, it has to be given away before it can multiply. It has to be given away before it can multiply. So if it's in your hand, see, th this is the thing that could have happened um, in this. Um, Peter could have said, you know what? Jesus, uh, this is all we got. And Jesus said, yeah, uh, now give it away. And Peter's Peter could have looked at it and said, sure, you don't want to bless it again, Jesus? And he said, no, no, break it up and give it away. And, and Peter could have looked at it and just said, I hate cake donuts, so this, I'm suffering right now. He could have said this, it's not enough to feed everybody anyway, so why try You notice how they grow in your mouth? Got a lot of the blessings stuck in my teeth. And that's what we do. We think what I have is only this big, so I consume it on my own life, rather than see this principle that's at work. It's called sowing and... You reap what you, you reap in greater measure than you sow. And you reap what you sow. I could have fed 20,000 people with this donut, but I just ate it. What could we have done if we didn't eat everything that was given to us? If we had believed this principle and said, I'm going to use what God's put into my life 
to bless the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God rather than consume it on something that's passing away. It's all passing away. All of it. So if you're going to be, if you're going to walk in multiplication, there are three things the Lord's going to tell you. Three things. One, first, you need to get out of debt. You need to get out of debt. That may mean selling cars to get a car you can afford. That may mean selling some stuff to get your credit cards. You need to get out of debt. You got to. If you're going to walk in blessing, you got to get out of debt. Secondly, this is a big one. This is a big one. Do not manipulate. Do not take advantage of God's people, of people in general. Do not take advantage of people to get the best. Listen, it, you know in the Bible where it says, um, welcome, you gave me something to drink when I wanted something to drink. And you say, God, when did we give you something to drink? And he said, when you gave to the least of these, it was as though you were giving to me. Do you not then think that when you take advantage of people, you're not taking advantage of him? Do not manipulate. You don't need to manipulate because God takes care of you. Why? It's when you manipulate, you think that somehow you got to work a better deal for you. That's how the world thinks. That's the way the pagans think. That's not how believers. Hello. That was a great place to say amen. I got a lot of people looking back at me thinking, next one. Here's the third one you need to give. Be generous. It should be a weekly thing where we're constantly looking for ways to give. I'm going to tell you a story <coughs> of a pastor you, many of you know. Many of you know this story. His name is Robert Morris. Uh, and he tells a story. I got to meet Robert Morris a number of years ago, like 20 years ago. And he told this story then about, uh, and I'll tell you the story that he told me. He, uh, or told us in the group we were in. He, he said, when God really got a hold of his heart and giving, he's given away everything he's had twice. Twice, everything. They've liquidated everything, you know, gave a house, cars, everything, just liquidated and gave it away twice because the Lord told him to. He said it all started when he started his ministry as an evangelist. He would travel around, and the only way he got money was speaking at a place, and they'd take an offering and gave it to him. And he would never require them to pay a certain amount of money, like a lot of guys do, to cover their costs for their ministry. And so whenever they would go to a church, they would just say, whatever the offering is, that's what we'll take. So they went to this church. It was a church of 60. They had no other speaking engagements the entire month, but they had a budget they had to cover. They lived totally by faith. So he's preaching in this church, and the pastor says to him, to the people, hey, we need to give the best offering we've ever given. It's a church of like 60. At the end of the service, a missionary had started it, and then he had preached. At the end of the service, the pastor came up, and he was all excited. He was just, I cannot believe this. The offering is huge. We've never had an offering like this before. And he shows him the check, <coughs> and the check is the exact amount to the penny that their budget is on a monthly basis, right? And he looks at that, and he's just like, praise the Lord, God provides. And how many would say, yay, amen to that, right? But he folds it, and when he goes to fold it up, the Lord says to him, because he, he looks up over the pastor's shoulder, and there is the missionary in the back of the place, and the Lord says to him, give it to the missionary. And he said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> now, can I tell you, never will Satan tell you Never 
will Satan tell you to give away a check? Satan is not a generous being. He will never tell you to be generous, right? Can I tell you someone else who will never tell you to do that? You. The thought will never occur out of your own mind that you should be generous unless the Holy Spirit speaks to you to be generous. How many know what I'm talking about, right? So, so, so he then endorses it, walks up to the missionary, gives it to him. He says, I don't want you to tell a single person that we ever did this. And he just subtly sneaks it to them. They walk out of the church on their way home, and there's six couples out front of the church, and they're going out, and they ask them to come with. And they said, we don't have any money, so we might as well go out to eat with them for pizza. So they go out to this pizza place. Six ladies sit on one end of the table, his wife at the end, and he at the other end with six guys. And four of the guys started talking about something pretty intensely, and him and this guy cross from him were sitting there, and the guy leans over while they're distracted. The guy goes, how was the offering? He goes, it was good. He goes, how much was it? And he says, I'm, as Robert tells, he said, I was getting a little irritated, like, what business is it yours? But he, tell, he knew exactly what it was because it was the exact number of their budget, so he told them. And he said, the guy says to Robert Morris, can I see the check? And Robert goes, um, my wife has it. And he goes, go get it. So he gets up, he walks all the way to the other end of the table, and he leans over and he asks her, how's the pizza? Because there's no check. She has no idea what's going on. She goes, how's the pizza? She goes, oh, it's good. And he walks back, and she's, he sits down, and he says, well, he goes, it's in the car. And the guy looks right at him and says, it's not in the car. You gave it away. And the man reaches in his pocket for a check that he had writ written the week before that was 10 times the amount he had given away. And he held it. He just held it. And Robert went to grab it, and he wouldn't let it go. And the man looked at him and he said, the Lord is trying to teach you to teach the body about how to be, how to be generous. And he lets it go. He took it back, they covered their expenses, and then they gave away all the rest of it. Where so many of us would just... We don't see the blessing we have for what it could be. We only see it fulfilling my tummy today. I don't even like cake donuts. Listen, all of it belongs to the Lord. Psalms 24, 1 and 2 said, The earth is the Lord's in its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says, For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Haggai 2, 8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Our cars, our house, our bank, it's all God's. It all belongs to God. Do you know, do you know on the story Solomon... This is interesting. In the story of Solomon, uh, you all know the part where God said, ask anything and I'll give it to you, right? And you say, boy, wouldn't I love God to do that? Well, let me tell you what led up to it. They had dedicated the temple that day, and that morning it would have been traditional for the king to sacrifice a bull onto the Lord to dedicate, the, to dedicate it 
And Solomon didn't dedicate one. He didn't dedicate a hundred. He didn't dedicate 500. He, he sacrificed a thousand bulls to the Lord. And later that night, the Lord said, ask anything. God will never tell you to ask anything if you have a greedy heart. He will never ask you that because it will kill you. God will never ask a selfish person, ask anything you want and I will give it to you. He will never do that because it will crush you. It will destroy you. That's why people <coughs> say, God, help me win the lottery. He won't. Because if, if you think the lottery is the answer to your problems, then you really haven't discovered what money really is. I hope you're getting this. Your resources are just that. They're resources. They do not have the power to deliver you. They do not have the power to heal you. They do not have the power to give you happiness. They do not have the power to give you joy. They do not have the power to help you overcome. They do not have the power to direct your steps. They do not have the power to set you up. They're just resources. But God has put them in your life. If you can't manage what's in your hand, five loaves and two fish, See, the greatest lie the enemy has ever told, the, the lie that is destroying the church today, is you, you don't have enough. You don't have enough. All you have is five loaves and two fish. That's not enough to do incredible work in the kingdom of God. I just got five loaves and two fish. I can't change the world with five loaves and two fish. I can't do it, so I'm just going to consume it because I don't have the ability and that's the point you don't recognize the fact that if it's blessed whatever's in your hand is enough mm. it's more than enough to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine but do you have eyes to see and ears to hear do you have eyes to see and ears to hear God is asking some of you to give the most extravagant gift you could ever give him God is asking you. I want you to look at this for a moment. God is asking some of you to give the most extravagant gift you could ever give him. And you know where your mind's at right now? Man, this is where he's asking me to give all my money away. No. This is where I'm asking for you to give your whole heart away. See, you think the most extravagant thing you can give God is building materials? The only thing he doesn't have is your whole heart. And he wants it more than anything. He sent his son to die on a cross to open up a new and living way so that you could give him your heart. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And where your treasure is, there your heart is. Will you stand? Pastor Zach, come up here. See, this is what I know as a pastor. <laughs> if God's got your heart, I don't need to say another word about it because then you'll have his eyes. Then you'll see yourself as I am a, I am a son of the living God. I operate as a son. I am a daughter 
of the living God. I, I operate as his daughter. He doesn't, he doesn't hold out on me. He doesn't hold back on me. He, he gives me all that I can handle, and I want to handle some more. Right? How many want to handle some more? If you do that, keep playing. Keep playing here. I, I want to handle. If you're, you're ready to say that, just say, God, I'm ready to give you my whole heart. I'm ready to give you my whole heart right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that as we're in this room right now, you are able to do abundantly more in our lives than we've ever seen. Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear that, that we, may, we may experience all that you have for us in Jesus' name.